Hey, Just the Right Book listeners, this is Christina Torres, producer of the show. For this week's bookmark, we thought we would share an excerpt of Michelle Obama's best-selling memoir, Becoming, read by the former First Lady herself. Audiophile Magazine says, In a rich, warm timber, Michelle Obama treats us to reminiscences and reflections on her life as though we were friends seated in her living room. No matter where you are in the political spectrum, the insights of the other Obama are interesting due to the sheer fact of her uniqueness. I spent much of my childhood listening to the sound of striving. It came in the form of bad music, or at least amateur music, coming up through the floorboards of my bedroom, the plink, plink, plink of students sitting downstairs at my great-aunt Robbie's piano, slowly and imperfectly learning their scales. My family lived in the South Shore neighborhood of Chicago, in a tidy brick bungalow that belonged to Robbie and her husband, Terry. My parents rented an apartment on the second floor, while Robbie and Terry lived on the first. Robbie was my mother's aunt and had been generous to her over many years. But to me, she was kind of a terror. Prim and serious, she directed the choir at a local church, and was also our community's resident piano teacher. She wore sensible heels and kept a pair of reading glasses on a chain around her neck. She had a sly smile, but didn't appreciate sarcasm the way my mother did. I'd sometimes hear her chewing out her students for not having practiced enough, or chewing out their parents for delivering them late to lessons. Good night, she'd exclaim in the middle of the day, with the same blast of exasperation someone else would say, oh, for God's sake. Few, it seemed, could live up to Robbie's standards. The sound of people trying, however, became the soundtrack to our life. There was plinking in the afternoons, plinking in the evenings. Ladies from church sometimes came over to practice hymns, belting their piety through our walls. Under Robbie's rules... Kids who took piano lessons were allowed to work on only one song at a time. From my room, I'd listen to them attempting, note by uncertain note, to win her approval, graduating from hot cross buns to Brahms lullaby, but only after many tries. The music was never annoying. It was just persistent. It crept up the stairwell that separated our space from Robbie's. It drifted through open windows in summertime, accompanying my thoughts as I played with my Barbies or built little kingdoms made out of blocks. The only respite came when my father got home from an early shift at the city's water treatment plant and put the Cubs game on TV, boosting the volume just enough to blot it all out. This was the tail end of the 1960s on the south side of Chicago. Cubs weren't bad, but they weren't great either. I'd sit on my dad's lap in his recliner and listen to him narrate how the Cubs were in the middle of a late-season swoon or why Billy Williams, who lived just around the corner from us on Constance Avenue, had such a sweet swing from the left side of the plate. Outside the ballparks, America was in the midst of a massive and uncertain shift. The Kennedys were dead. 
Martin Luther King Jr. had been killed standing on a balcony in Memphis, setting off riots across the country, including in Chicago. The 1968 Democratic National Convention turned bloody as police went after Vietnam War protesters with batons and tear gas in Grant Park, about nine miles north of where we lived. White families, meanwhile, were moving out of the city in droves, lured by the suburbs, the promise of better schools, more space, and probably more whiteness, too. A special thanks to our friends at Audiophile Magazine for providing the clip. Please check them out at audiophilemagazine.com. <laughs>